Well, I want to go directly to the word of the Lord. I want to, uh, my prayer is to leave enough time to pray if anyone wants to come to the altar for a miracle. You're expecting, you need God to just do something. doesn't matter what that is, but you know that it would take a miracle. And that's what I want to share with you today. A message is entitled, A Miracle of Mercy. I pray that during this time of, as I'm sharing the word, that faith will build. Faith will build in your heart because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And there's no better time to believe God for a miracle than when we preach about his miraculous power. And so today I want to share a wonderful and unique story found in Matthew chapter 15, also found over in the Gospel of Mark, but we'll read Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 through 28. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole that very hour. Father, we just bow our head and heart before you, and we pray that the anointing that John said abides within. would just rise up in our heart today and cause us to be a strength and encouragement and a blessing to this local church. We pray for miracles. We pray, O God, that you feel this sanctuary many times over. We pray, Lord, that you bring in a harvest that they have not room enough to contain. We pray, Lord, that you would open the windows of heaven and shower this local church and everyone who has covenanted themselves with it. Shower them with blessings that they cannot contain. The only reason that you would pour out a blessing upon us that our vessel couldn't contain is because because you're not a wasteful God, but it's so that we might pour it out and you might fill it up again and pour it out and fill it up again. So let the miraculous power of the Holy Ghost move in this place, flow out of us, O Lord, not just in this room, this sanctuary, but, O God, in our own lives and families. Let us be a walking miracle where, Lord, everywhere we go, We're believing that you can do anything, anywhere, at any time. Because you're God Almighty and there's nothing hindering you. And so we thank you for the price that was paid on Calvary's cross. We thank you for the stripes on the back of Jesus for our healing. We thank you, Lord, that you died so that we might live. We thank you for the victory we have in you. Complete victory because you won completely on the cross and in your resurrection. And so today, God, we pray for that mighty power of God to pour out upon us. Help us get a glimpse of your mercy and your great grace and love toward us. 
your heart and desire to do the miracle in our life. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. 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 Thank you so much. Well, this, this woman in this passage, she, she truly needed an incredible miracle from the Lord. The miracle wasn't for herself, however. Her, it was for her daughter. Her daughter was demon-possessed. She was so grievously vexed by these demons that the Scripture says that the mother went seeking help. It, it doesn't, in this passage, let us know exactly how she miraculously wound up at a house that Jesus was staying in outside of the city, out in the country. The scripture doesn't explain that to us. It just sets this, this whole scene up. It lets us know that Jesus decided to go there to the coast of Tyre and Sidon, which the disciples were against. They wanted nothing to do with the Canaanites and the Samaritans. There were so many Jewish villages and towns they could be in, but instead Jesus takes them there, and he just stops. They, this incredible long walk, and they're, they're there after a couple of days of journey, and they wind up here on the coast of Tyre and Sidon, and there's this house that he's staying in in the country. The disciples are staying there. They're not to tell anyone that he's there. And yet somehow, miraculously, if you can picture the story, there's this, this woman. We'll just uh, try to walk it out for you. She's in, she's in the city. She's a Canaanite. She's, she's not a, a Jewish child of God, isn't there? So she's here. Her daughter is demon-possessed. And I can imagine, like any parent, she leaves the house that morning, and she's brokenhearted, and she's weeping, and she's wandering. There's no, there's no indication at all that she was even looking for Jesus. I don't know how many of you in this room today were just wandering and broken and wounded, and you didn't know where you were going, and you weren't even, didn't even realize that where Jesus was, but suddenly you just stumbled upon him. And How many of you are glad that God orders your steps and he puts you in that place where you could find him? And so she, she wanders across and she gets outside of town and she's still just walking and suddenly she sees these disciples and some are standing outside the house. Jesus is on the inside and, and she, she recognizes that these are Jewish men and, and so she'd heard the story. She must have heard the stories of Jesus because she starts at putting two and two together and she's like, hey, uh, is Jesus in that? Is this Jesus? Are you his disciples? Is Jesus in there? And so suddenly she stumbled upon an opportunity for a miracle. She had found this, as Pastor said this morning, she came into the presence of the Lord. She, she had stumbled in there and, and she needed a miracle and her daughter needed this miracle. And so here she is in this strange uh, uh, set of circumstances that have led her to this place only to be denied by the Lord. The disciples at first are saying, no, you know, we can't have any dealings with you. You need to just leave. Uh, sorry, uh, go away. And, and she says, no, 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 uh, bring him out. Tell him my, my daughter is in need. And so she cried and screamed and carried on so much that the disciples finally felt sorry for her. And enough to where one of them goes inside and says, Jesus, you're going to have to come out and at least run her off. We can't get rid of this woman. And so he says, just go and tell her it's not my time. I'm sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so they stumble back out. They say it again. She pleads some more. And then they send, send them back in. They go back in. Jesus, she, she's not listening. She won't, uh, she won't go away. And so Jesus comes out to greet this woman, and what an incredible miracle takes place here. 
she's here. She's in desperation. She's, she's a mother. I don't know if you've ever felt that for a child. You've ever felt so burdened for, for a child that you just, you're just journeying around. She's believing God. She's trusting God. She needs a miracle. You don't know what to do in behalf of her, her child. And, and so she's crying out and she's weeping. She finds a possible answer here, and it seems she's being turned away. And so she pleads for a miracle based on mercy alone. She doesn't excuse herself. She doesn't offer any good. She doesn't put any money down. She doesn't have anything to give. She doesn't, there's nothing, well, way she can persuade the Lord that she hasn't been uh, faithful in that sense. She's not even considered a child of God in that hour because she was not Jewish. And so this is before the cross, before Calvary. And, and so she cries out and somehow Jesus miraculously responds and delivers her daughter from the demons that had abused her. Can we give God a praise offering for that? Oh, hallelujah. And I believe that miracles still take place today. I believe it with all of my heart. And it's too late to tell me that God doesn't work miracles. You're just wasting your time. I mean, don't meet me after service and tell me some theological... I'm not going to argue with you about whether God works miracles or not today because you've just come too late. The fact when you have experienced it, when you've already seen miracles with your own eyes, it's difficult to convince somebody that it cannot happen. I'm here to tell you that our God is a miracle-working God. I have experienced in our local church... It's a miracle. There's been someone saved, which I consider the greatest miracle of all. At the end of a 21-day fast in January of uh, of 2001, and that last Sunday, we were praying for God to bring a harvest into our region. And from that Sunday forward, every Sunday, someone has been saved at Calvary Church now for 23 years. Can we give God a praise offering for that? Thank God for that. With children's church, our outreach and evangelism. But on Sunday, in the, in the room, someone has given their heart to Jesus every day. Now, are you in need of a miracle today? I'm talking about a bona fide, genuine miracle. Because there's a difference between a miracle and things just working out. A miracle, by definition, is something that cannot be done. Everybody say, cannot be done will never happen unless God intervenes. Now, that's a miracle. And so when a miracle happens, it's something that cannot be done, will never happen unless God intervenes. In our our local church, we have several cases of individuals who have been healed of cancer. Uh, Two come to mind right now, Monty Lyons and Deborah Dillard. And uh, these two come to mind because twice they were healed of cancer. Uh, once uh, uh, they, they had gone through all the procedures and afterwards cancer came back, came back and it's usually more aggressive when it does. And so this second time they had given up hope. Monty even was in Texas when God healed him. He wasn't even in Tennessee. Vanderbilt had sent him down there and he's at a cancer uh, clinic down there. And so they run the same test. And the cancer leukemia that was in his, in his very blood and, and had gotten into, he needed a bone marrow transplant. 
and his, his sister had done it for him. And somehow, miraculously, she survived and he survived. She was such a small person. They needed so much, so much bone marrow. And she had survived, but yet here it is back again, according to Vanderbilt. And so down there, there he's standing outside, getting ready to go to this hospital in Texas. And he stands outside, and a breeze of, is out there, and, and this wind comes. And he felt like it blew right through him. And he said, God, did you just heal me? Did you just, oh, come on, somebody. Did you just do what they had, they had done before with the transplant, bone marrow transplant? Did you just come through and drive that out of my body? He believed it. And so when they got to the hospital and the clinic, he's there for a week. They're running all kinds of tests. And at the end of the week, they send him home and say, we don't know what they saw at Vanderbilt. We're just here to tell you that there is no cancer in your body. Can somebody shout hallelujah? We serve a miracle-working God. And I, I called the names of these individuals because I didn't want to just say a sister in the church or a brother. I want you to understand that these are real, live people that God has worked miracles for. My brother had leukemia as a, as a child, and at seven years of age still hadn't went to school. His body was so frail. And my parents took him to an old-fashioned tent meeting. I don't know if any of you remember any of those. Tent shavings on the floor, Hammond B3 organ playing. I mean, folks just get, shouting, getting their praise on. And at the end of the service, they brought my little brother up there. I walked with him. I was 12 years old. I come up there with him, and as, uh, as they're holding him in their arms, this evangelist lays hands on him, and they pray for him right there in that room. Nothing spectacular happened, but my parents had been weeping and praying and crying like this woman in this story for a miracle for their child. And so when the father Following doctor's visits, he's, he's beginning to gain weight, so much so that they decide we need to start, we, let's, let's do some more tests and, and uh, see what's going, why is he gaining weight? Why is he looking better? And so they're doing blood work and everything, and, and they come back to my parents and say, we don't know what happened. Hallelujah. My brother, after all these years, just about a month ago, got the medical records, tracked them down and found them from when he had leukemia, but then went back and didn't have leukemia. Can I tell you, our God is a miracle-working God. Hallelujah. A miracle. I could tell you so, so many more, but I, I need to get to the Word today. Bonafide miracle. I think God works more miracles than he even ever gets credit for. I believe there are things in your life, things that God has done that, that were, could not be done, would never happen unless God intervenes. If I could take the time to tell you about God giving us our first home, uh, you wouldn't believe it. And, uh, I mean, it was an absolute miracle. I didn't believe it. <laughs> It was, a, it was a real miracle of mercy. I didn't believe it. My wife went to the, I was so frustrated with her begging me to go try and buy a house when we were pioneering a church and I've got no income that I suggested to her, why don't you just go to the bank? Why don't you go and talk to them? I figured let, I thought it was Solomon's wisdom. L let her go and the banker disappoint her and I, will, I won't be the bad guy. I was tired of being the bad guy. I said, you go, go, go tell them, you know. And so she'd seen a house and she 
went and talked to him at the bank. And so I'm, I've got my speech ready. She's going to come in. She's going to tell me it didn't work out. I can't believe it. They said, you know, because you don't have a job or any income right now, they can't, we can't do it. And, and so I just, uh, I, so I'm going to, honey, I know I'm so sorry. That mean banker. I, I was going to be the good guy for once. We're living in Sunday school rooms in the side of the church. <laughs> and, and so she comes back. <laughs> I don't know what to <clears throat> So she comes to the door. I hear her come in, and I walk in there, and I'm, I'm looking at her. And sure enough, her face is kind of downcast, her head's down. And she comes in, and she says, um, well, I went to the bank. And I said, oh, well, honey, you know these bankers. And she said, we got the house. I was like, what? We, di we didn't even fill out any paperwork. Oh, they said that the, they said that the house was in foreclosure and that it, we would just take over the payments and, and uh, they would apply that over the next year. And then uh, after a year of making the payments, we could have the house. And so let's, let's start packing. And I, I was like... I mean, I'm getting ready to hug her, and oh, baby, and so I'm the one stunned. What, what? I still didn't believe. Can I tell you that God will work miracles in your life even when you're stuck on stupid, even when you don't have faith? Because God, every, listen to every miracle God works is a miracle of mercy. Nobody deserves salvation. Nobody deserves a miracle from the Lord. You can't earn it. You cannot work for it. You can't. You can't pleaded out of God. God does it because he's a good God, full of grace, and he loves you. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. So when you're in need of a miracle, the truth is he works them more often than we give him credit for. Maybe your home, a job, you went in and applied for something and 25 people ahead of you were more qualified, and somehow the phone rings on couple days later and they tell you to come in and you knew it was a miracle then because you remember you hung up the phone you acted like you were just all cool when they called oh yes great yes I can be there right okay I will be there yes ah! start running around the house screaming giving God praise you knew it was a miracle then but then a year later you're like they don't pay me like they ought to pay me I do Hello, y'all still out there? And so after a while, our grumbling and complaining pushes the miracle to the background, and we forget God gave us that job. <laughs> I'm in a marriage that is a miracle. My wife, I mean, look at me. Look at her. It's a miracle. It's something that should never have happened, cannot happen, unless God intervenes. And so I think some of us have friends and relationships and people in our lives right now that only God could have brought into our life. Can you give God a praise offering for the job, for the house, for the people in your life? For... Come on, hasn't he been a good God to you? Can we give him glory like he did it? Like he's responsible for it? <laughs> Hallelujah. So when I read this passage, I see this beautiful miracle of, of in, within the miracle. First of all, the fact that the disciples... Or some, Jesus knew this would happen. He sets them up. Now, you can't for a moment believe that the God who knows tomorrow yesterday didn't know this woman was coming. As soon as this miracle is performed, he says, okay, boys, pack it up, let's go. 
He went there just for her. She started out of the house burdened and wandering and worrying, troubled for her daughter that morning, not knowing, but Jesus knew. Jesus knew as she came along that path. He knew she would be there. <laughs> when she walked up to that house, these disciples who could not stand the Canaanites and the Samaritans, these disciples who didn't believe that God could do anything for them, these disciples who were prejudiced against them, who thought that God only did miracles for their people, these disciples walk up there and they turn her away and they tell her he won't talk to you. And, they say, and after a while, she's pleading with them and weeping for her daughter. And after a little while, suddenly those big brown eyes got to them. And as they're looking at, at her, they finally go in, well, Jesus, maybe you could just come out and talk to her. And then the, then the next time they go back and they say, Jesus, she's not leaving. I think you should come out and, and talk to her. And then when Jesus comes out and the miracle is performed, it's almost as if they're not surprised. It's almost as if they're stunned. Suddenly, their minds are open. God, does, see, here's a miracle within the miracle. Disciples who were filled with prejudice and did not know that God would go outside of the Jewish race, can somebody shout hallelujah, had taken them on this long journey, changed their paradigm, setting them up for what he would do in the book of Acts. Hallelujah. It's on one of your windows back there in Acts chapter 10. <laughs> Thank God. He sends to the house of Cornelius. The gospel, how many of you are glad the saving grace isn't just for the Jews, but it's also for you and I? I'm so grateful for that. And so he's dealing with their minds. He's working miracles within miracles. He's planting seeds. And he's also sending a woman back home to find a miracle in her house, to tell it to a people that had never received miracles at the hand of Jesus before. Wow. So let's look at it. Matthew 15, verse 22 says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, A woman of Canaan, have mercy on me. Everybody say mercy. mercy. O oh Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. I said it before. I want to say it again. Jesus can and will do the impossible, even today. She says in verse 22, my daughter is grievously vexed in the King James. The Greek adverb there that's translated grievously in the original language means badly vexed, diseased, evil, miserably. The Amplified Bible, if you have that translation, it says that she was miserably, distressingly, and cruelly possessed with a devil. Imagine what this mother must have been going through with her daughter, cruelly possessed. The NIV says she was suffering terribly from demon possession. Today, I believe that all around us, outside these walls, there are people that are grievously vexed. They are suffering terribly from demon possession, habits, addictions, struggles with sin in drugs, alcohol, sexual immorality, crime. Society, as a matter of fact, considers people too far gone. They reach a place that they consider someone too far gone. Some states developed even three strike laws. Three strikes, you're in prison for the rest of your life. You can't, you're, it's too far, it's too late for you. You've already proven that you can't be helped. And so it's not unusual for people to get that idea about themselves, give up on themselves. Families give up on people, stop praying for them. 
individuals throw in the towel and stop interceding because they just figure they're too far gone. They're grievously vexed. In Mark chapter 5, we read the story of another demon-possessed person. It's a, it's a grown man. And in Mark 5, verse 6 and 7, it says that when he saw this demon-possessed man, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. And then the spirits on the inside identify themselves, saying, We are legion, for we are many. I want you to understand that in this passage, it tells us that here's a man who is so demon-possessed that he can't even ask for help. He didn't cry out. He, he runs and falls at his feet, and the demons speak. He, he had lost control of his speech. Hear me. He, at one time, he lived in town, in the city. Maybe a family, a wife and children. But eventually, his, his possession got so bad that his family gave up. His community gave up. They took him outside of town and chained him up in a graveyard, in a cemetery, to protect others from him. And so they chained him to the tombs, the Bible said. And Jesus, just like in our story, he gets in a boat goes across to the other side of Galilee, steps out of the boat, walks just a little ways, nears the, the graveyard, and these evil spirits could feel the mighty power of God as Jesus drew close. They couldn't even in fear, they couldn't even wait. They ran and fell at his feet. They knew who he was. God Almighty manifest in the flesh. And so they come and throw themselves at his feet in a prostrate worship position. And as they fall at his feet, the man wants to say, on the inside, help me, free me, deliver me. I have no hope. I have no way out. That's the cry of so many alcoholics, so many drug addicts, so many people in the streets, so many possessed by different addictions help me, somebody help me, and unable to even cry out. But the Spirit cried out, and they didn't want to leave. They wanted to stay. But Jesus, hallelujah, heard an unspoken cry from across the Sea of Galilee and came all that way to hear the cry of a man who from his heart wanted to be free but couldn't even put it into words. When he opened his mouth, demons spoke. But Jesus saw the man on the inside. I wish somebody would shout hallelujah. And Jesus said to those evil spirits, go! And just like that, just like that, a legion of demons left that man and fled. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. That's how mighty our God is. And somebody, if, if there's someone who's, if you've got people that have given up on you or if you've given up on someone, if you've stopped praying for someone, get back on your knees again. Pray again and believe God. Nobody's too far gone. I don't care if they're chained in the tombs. Can you shout hallelujah? They're not too far gone. They need a miracle, complete, sudden deliverance. Oh, what a Savior. Can I talk about Jesus just for a few moments here? It's... Before we pray, Mark 7, 29 and 30, he said to her in the gospel of Mark, same story. He said unto her, for this saying, go thy way. 
for the devil is gone out of thy daughter. Everybody say, is gone. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. Look at the miracle of this miracle. The Amplified Bible puts it this way in verse 29, giving you the Greek tense. It says, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And then in parentheses, it says permanently. You see... What's beautiful about that is when it, he says the devil is gone, wrapped up in that word is gone means right this moment, he's already just like that. Jesus was just speaking it out of his mouth. I got, I got to show you this. She's over here at the house. You remember we went, she's outside in the country. And Jesus says to her, because of this saying, when she said, it's true, Lord, but even the, the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. For that saying, he said, the devil is gone out of your daughter. At that moment, way over here, in town, back in town, <laughs> laying in that bed. Oh, Holy Ghost. A demon-possessed girl instantly is delivered. Just like that. Oh, you got to get that. He didn't. Jesus didn't say, go get her. He didn't say, bring her. He didn't spit on her. Uh, come on now. He didn't have to. The Lord you serve is that mighty. Immediately in that, the devil is gone permanently out. He didn't have to say, go devil, leave devil. He didn't even have to oblige him with that. He just wheeled it done and said to that mother, the devil is gone permanently out of your daughter. Pack it up, boys. Let's go. Disciples got all their gear together and headed back down toward Jerusalem. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but if I was that mama, I, I, I would have been. And they're, they're packing up, and I'd have, uh, thank you. Uh, that, uh, that's, that's it. There's, you, don't, you don't want anything. You, that's it. I mean, are you sure? It, it's, it, she's not here. We would have thought those things. You know we would have. So suddenly she's like, well, and he's leaving, and she starts back toward town. And I don't know if it would have been any mom in this room. You'd have kind of, you'd have been running. How many of you would have been running back to town? She goes in and finds her daughter completely delivered and set free. Oh, my God. What a miracle. Complete mercy in that. And so Jesus just simply willed it done because of a mother's humble confession of faith. This, this mother and daughter, you remember, Matthew 15, verse 24 and 26, tells us that he said to, to the disciples and to her, I was just sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's not, I haven't gone to the cross yet. In other words, it's, it isn't open to the Gentiles yet. So she reaches into tomorrow by faith grabs hold of promises that would, are all of ours under the new covenant, pulls it back into Old Testament law <laughs> by faith. And Jesus felt obligated to do that miracle for this woman pre-Calvary, before the cross, just out of mercy. I think we need to be reaching into the heavenlies and taking what the Bible says belongs to us right here. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in, in heaven. So in this passage, Jesus literally, Matthew called her a Canaanite, 
in Mark 7, she's called from Syria, Phoenicia. Jesus calls her a dog. And she realizes she isn't seated at the table. She understands that. She knows that she's not Jewish. She recognizes that. And so when Jesus said that to her in verse 28, she agreed. And she said simply to him in Mark 7, 28, Yes, Lord. True Lord, the King James says. But even the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. I'm not asking for a seat at the table. I agree with you, Lord. You don't have to do this. I didn't earn it by pedigree, nationality. I wasn't born into it. But even the dogs at the table eat from the children's crumbs every now and then. I just need, just need a crumb from the master's table. I'll take that. If I'm just a puppy, that word in the original Greek means puppy. I guess, I, you know, that's why I said earlier, he looked into those big brown eyes. I just would, I just feel, I just see a puppy here in front of Jesus. I see those eyes filled with tears in that mother's heart. And Jesus looking into it and deep into her. And she says, it's true, Lord. I recognize that. But even the puppies get something the kids drop off the table. That's all I need. And so she didn't argue for it. She didn't debate the Lord. She just reached out for mercy, for mercy. And the Bible says, in mercy, Jesus healed her daughter. I want to share with you, as we prepare to close here, three miracle principles. You remember when she first came, she said, have mercy on me, O Lord. And then Jesus gives her this miracle of mercy. Three miracle principles. Number one. You don't have to deserve a miracle to receive a miracle. Is there anyone in this room can raise your hands to heaven and say, thank you, Jesus, for that. You don't have to deserve a miracle to receive a miracle. Secondly, you do not even have to feel worthy to receive a miracle, to have a miracle. Sometimes we think, oh, I've just I got to get rid of this struggle. I got to get rid of this battle. I, I'm not worthy of God doing it. Well, that's fine. You don't have to be worthy. You don't have to feel worthy. She didn't make herself worthy. She confessed she wasn't. And yet Jesus did this miracle because of her faith. The third principle is this. The one thing you need is you must have faith in his mercy, in his grace, in his love for you. Lately, I myself, I'm praying for a miracle in my own physical body. And lately, I've been looking at this passage of Scripture, thinking about how God works miracles. Not because we deserve it or feel worthy, but because we just know that He is a merciful, gracious, loving God. In my personal prayer time lately, as I'm praying about some 
some needs in my own life. I've been, I've been coming to God and saying, God, I ask for mercy in this situation. I just ask for your mercy. Oh, there are other people that come, and you know how we pray. People will gather you up and come and pray for you. And, and I love it. I appreciate that. It's, it's wonderful. <clears throat> but they'll pray things like, Lord, you know how important this sister is to the kingdom. Lord, you know what a great job this brother has done. Oh, Lord, you know that we would be lost without them. Oh, Lord Jesus, we just ask you. You know they've done many good works. They're in church every Sunday. They're faithful. They've served in. So we start telling God all the reasons why he ought to work the miracle. <laughs> when what we ought to just be saying is, God, they're just like me. <laughs> they don't deserve it. But you saved us when we didn't deserve it. Can somebody shout hallelujah? We put our faith not in our works, but in your love, your grace, and in your mercy. And the devil doesn't want you to hear that. The devil wants you to think that you can't get that miracle right now because you don't deserve it. The devil wants you to think that you cannot in any way receive that miracle because you haven't earned it. You just haven't been good enough. But you serve a God who wants you to put all that aside. And remember that you didn't come good enough. You've never been good enough. You were made righteous by my righteousness. Somebody say amen. So just come to me as you are, just like you did when I saved you. Oh, I wish somebody would shout hallelujah. Put your confidence in my mercy. Put your confidence in my character. Put your confidence in my grace and my power. And I'll do the miracle for you. And that's what she did that day. That's what she did that day. And oh, how many? Would you stand with me? How many miracles happen like that through the Scriptures? There's so many others I could reference here. It was so hard for the disciples to learn this. Um, John 9, you remember the man born blind? And the disciples said to Jesus, well, what did his parents do? <laughs> that brought this blindness on him? What, what, what did he do? And, but the Bible makes it so clear. Jesus looks at him and said, this, th his parents didn't do anything. This isn't some kind of punishment. But today I'm gonna, I'm gonna heal him for the glory of God the Father. <laughs> today, I want you to know Whatever your struggle is, it's not because of something you did. If you're going through something right now and the devil's trying to beat you up over it, if you've given it to Jesus and asked him to forgive you, it's under the blood of Jesus. Don't rehearse it. Don't bring it up anymore. It's covered by the grace of God. And if you need a miracle in your life, you just come right now. Maybe that miracle is salvation. Come, come right on up, brother. That's okay. Maybe that miracle is a divine healing in your body. Thank you, my brother. <laughs> I love it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I love it. That is so good.